Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out Toronto today on this Monday, August 22nd. Well, the deadline has come and gone to run for Toronto City Council. Municipal politics is a big, big deal. Feels more important than ever, especially with what Toronto and what we've all gone through the last two and a half years. So why is a former communications officer for John Tory, Kathleen Wynne? She's a former journalist as well. Why is she running? Why does she want to represent the city? She tells us on the show today, Siri Agrel will join us. She's running in Ward 4 against Gord Perks, and we had a wide-ranging conversation about what Toronto is, what we hope it returns to being, and some important issues facing the biggest city in Canada as we move forward these next couple of years. Siri Agrel joins us on Toronto Today. It's great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about the uh, decision. Are there a lot of pros, cons? Do you get a yellow pad of paper out? Uh, <laughs> and can we see that yellow pad of paper, a screenshot? What, what, makes, <laughs> what makes this the right call and the right time for you to be a city councilor? I think people are excited oh. by you announcing this. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it, too. It was, you know, it was a big decision. It's something I've thought about for a long time. I love cities. I think municipal government is the best level of government. There's no political parties, which makes it way easier, way better to deal with. And it's all the stuff that's the most important to us, right? It's the roads, it's transit, it's parks, it's all the things that we deal with every day. And it's also where you can have the most impact, right? It's not about these big ideological battles. It's about how do we make the services that people need better every single day. Um, but it was a big decision, right? These are hard jobs. They're huge wards now. We saw a lot of councillors burn out over the last four years. You know, people don't necessarily love uh, elected representatives these days. Um, so it was a hard decision. But, you know, I, I went through a phase, I think, as a lot of people did over COVID, where you're kind of like, what's going on with the world? Like, should I just move into the woods and, and check out a little bit? And I think right now it's, it's very much for me, you know, either we give up on the whole thing or we try to make it better. And I'm really excited to try and make my ward and my city better. You've mentioned before that outdoor spaces for Toronto are significant. I think we found that with COVID, didn't we? And there was a lot of criticism of sometimes the mayor, sometimes city councilors for not really getting that we needed to get people out there. I mean, the white circles in, in Trinity Bellwoods was one thing, but a lot of people are condo dwellers, a lot of people in apartments, students, younger professionals, and they kind of had very few places. They don't have big backyards. They don't have swimming pools. And we noticed that they needed places to go and to be, even to be together um, during those pandemic springs and summers. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's a space thing. You need to be outside. You want to be with people. I think especially after, you know, two years of being inside with like, you know, Netflix and our families, it's nice to, to get out there and have a good time with your friends. And there's more of us, right? The city is growing really fast. So how do we create these spaces? How do we make them work for everybody? Um, how do we let people have a little bit of fun and outdoor time and exercise and all those things? It's hugely important. It's one of those things as well where I, I do, I worry about the city and it's such a long stretched out conversation, but I'm one of those people that drive into work every day and it's, it's just a habit. I wouldn't, if work came to me and said, Hey, it's not safe. We want you to stay at home. I, I don't feel like I'd be, I'd be as as good or average or whatever at, at mediocre, or whatever at, at what I do. But there's a lot of people that don't feel that way. I do think there's jobs that can be done better at home. Do you worry work from home and the efficiencies that some employers see with it? It's hard for the city because when the people that were coming downtown all the time, Siri, like they would drop off their dry cleaning or buy a birthday present for somebody or, or meet at a pub for a beer with a friend they hadn't seen in six months. There's a little less of that. Maybe it's coming back a little bit. It feels really gradual. 
Yeah, no, and I think I think we've actually seen that that you know Toronto compared to other places, we're having a, a slower return, right? The downtown's not you know recovering as quickly. And and my thing is like the best cities and the best neighborhoods have a mix of different kinds of people, right? Different kinds of jobs, and we're all you know interconnected. So yeah, if people don't go downtown, you know the people who have you know service jobs or who have stores down there or who you know work on the TTC and rely on on that income, all of those people are going to be affected too, right? So how do we create a city where everybody can actually you know, have those opportunities, have reliable work, all of those things. And I think, you know, we are social creatures. And I think we're just starting to see the impact of every, you know, of a lot of people staying home and on their lives and on their happiness and on their productivity and all those things, right? So I think it's really about asking the question, is it working? What are the impacts? And are we doing enough to make sure that everybody's okay? Siri Agrol, our guest on uh, Toronto Today. Uh, I mentioned a lot of the incumbents have decided not to come back. Some of them gave, you know, 12, 16 years of service. Uh, it, it's hard to question. I think now it's harder than ever to put people's names forward uh, in politics. I think there's more scrutiny. There sort of is more digging around a person's past. Um, is it when you look at, at sort of the idea that there's going to be a lot of fresh faces, voices and opinions on council, you hoping to be one of them? That's got to be exciting. Like there will be some veteran experience, but new people often means new ideas and thinking outside of the box. Yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't think that people should be in these roles for for a long time. Right. I think it's the kind of job where you have to come in with a lot of energy, with fresh eyes. You have to say, I'm going to be here for, you know, four or eight years. I'm going to like work really hard, get some stuff done for the residents of my ward and for the city and then pass the torch. Right. Make room for somebody else. There shouldn't be the same people on there for 16 years. We mm -hmm. need new representation. We need to make sure that council reflects the people in the city. Right. And if, if no one's leaving, then that doesn't happen. But, yeah, the flip side of it is it's not like a hugely appealing job for a lot of people because it's so hard. Um, you know, they know they're going to have to represent 100,000 people if they do the job. They know that you're not going to make everybody happy. But I think we need to talk more about the possibilities and the impact. And like right now, there's so many things, like you were saying, that we need to fix in the city. And to me, that's just like a huge mm. opportunity to be able to be part of that conversation. Suri Algirl's our guest. Um, you want to... Uh... You're, you're sort of, I won't say anti-social media, but you want to uh, sort of, it, it's been described, embrace tech, but not necessarily Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. It's, boy, it can be, it can be the worst. It can, it can benefit people. People can make connections, but it's got a dark side to it. Is that part of it? Yeah. I'm, and I'm sure, you know, you guys see that all the time, right? <laughs> you go on to Twitter or Facebook and you're like, wow, like everybody's pretty angry. And I just think, you know, in terms of politics, like what are we getting out of it as a resident? Do you look at your, you know, counselor's Twitter feed and, and actually know what that person's doing for you, right? Maybe they're tweeting a lot. That doesn't mean they're actually, you know, representing you, getting back to constituents, doing the work. And yeah, for elected representatives and especially, you know, women and racialized people and all that, like the, the anger and the sort of vitriol directed at them is really, you know, dangerous and demoralizing. So for me, like, I, you know, I worked in technology, obviously, I use technology all the time. It's just those platforms, right? I'm like, are we actually having a conversation? Do you, am I telling you anything? Are you able to tell me anything in a productive way? Or are we just kind of like screaming into the void, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so I'm not on Twitter, I'm not on Facebook, but we're using lots of digital tools, right? I just put these, um, videos on my website where I'm answering people's questions and they can submit a question and, you know, I get a little notification and I can answer it back so people can actually hear me and get a sense of what I'm saying, you know, in more than 140 characters. And I think that 
that's what we need to do, right? Of like, are we actually talking to each other in a way where we're getting something out of it? Yeah, there's some depth and substance that, uh, you know, and 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 by the way, there's there's either the anger or there's sort of the, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, it sounds like it's a political lean, but the virtue signal of just, you know, like, are, are you legitimate? Or are you just saying something because you think it's for likes and retweets and it's popular? Like it's, you really yeah. got to slide it up the middle and try and figure out, it, it's tough to figure out people from their, uh, their online I totally personas. Think that. I, I think it becomes a bit yeah. performative, right? You got to say all the the right things. And if you don't, people get mad at you and it just becomes a sort of trap, right? Where you're tweeting all the time, but you're not actually doing anything. Let me ask you, does working for Mayor Tory at all limit you talking about Mayor Tory in terms of people are going to ask you, what's he done well? What would you like to see him better? How would you sum that up in several sentences? Yeah, no, I think I think it gives me a lot of insight. Right. And when I go to people's doors, you know, the nice thing about campaigning municipally is like everybody has their list of grievances and their list of things they love about the city. And so pretty much anything people can say to me, I can talk to them about that. Right. I I work for the mayor. I also wrote about cities for the Globe and Mail. I've worked in cities my whole life. So I think it's a huge advantage to be able to say, okay, that's frustrating. This is how it actually works. Right. This is how I would get it done. And I think, you know, that's what I think that that a lot of you know Toronto residents should be thinking about when they think about who they're going to vote for. It's not, you know, what people say they're, they're going to do. It's like, how are you actually going to do it? This stuff's hard. Like, how are you going to get that done? How are you going to work with other people on council? How are you going to find the money? Right. And I think that because I have worked in City Hall and I've worked in government and outside of government. Right. I know how the private sector mm-hmm. works. I think that's super helpful. Well, you've written about urban affairs for probably our most esteemed newspaper in the country, the Globe and Mail. You've done communications. I'm I am not. People ask me about the strong mayor thing. I'm kind of on the fence. And I lived in the states where it felt like every mayor was a strong mayor and and they had a lot of power and and they they got a lot of credit or a lot of blame if things weren't working out for that particular city. So but I'm I'm mixed on this because I see the need to get things done and not have your trademark city council gridlock that that people often roll their eyes about. But I'm not sure. I, I, I know there's a lot of criticism. The five mayors, David Miller was on the show last week, five former Toronto mayors, Siri, said this is a bad, bad idea. Yeah, but, you know, the, a lot of those mayors also, when they were in office, they wanted more of those powers, too, right? <laughs> and they complained I, about the gridlock on council, yeah, didn't they? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, for me, there's there's a lot of different parts of it, right? And obviously, people are worried about this sort of veto thing, right? Will will people use it to overrule, like, you know, what other people want? To me, the interesting stuff is, is actually kind of the boring administrative stuff, right? So the fact that the mayor can now work more closely with city staff, that he can have more, you know, agenda setting with the budget, right? The city budget has 11 is $11 billion every year, right? There's Mm -hmm. 11, I think 11,000 city employees. The mayor right now doesn't have a lot of ability to, to like, you know, um, direct the course of those people. He can't meet with like more than one counselor privately outside of council, right? There's, there's things that administratively, if, if this person was like in charge of any large company and couldn't actually meet with staff, couldn't make hires, couldn't say what they, he wanted or he or she wanted the budget priorities to be, we would think that that was crazy, right? So I'm, I'm less concerned about the veto. Obviously that has to be used very carefully and with a lot of like a lot of uh, intentionality. But for mm-hmm. me, the fact that it's going to allow him to actually you know, um, work with city staff better and more productively. I think I think that's super helpful. 
And, you know, I think about it like John Tory is all for it right now. There's a renewed relationship with him and Doug Ford. Previous political rivals didn't see eye to eye and very much. But then I see Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson doesn't want it. And I'm going, you know what we could, to be honest, this is me saying this, what we could have used in January, February during the uh, during the Freedom Convoy, a, a stronger mayor in Ottawa. Like that's that's, I think, what a lot of people are looking at. And he's not even running again. So. I, I take I take that with just like you do with the other five Toronto ex mayors. I take that with a grain of salt. You're not coming back, so it's easy to say, "Oh, don't give mayors this power." If he was coming back, he might feel differently. Yeah, and I think you know, and people have made this point, right? Like, strength doesn't necessarily come from the, the powers mm. either, right? Like, there are a lot of things probably in that convoy situation that city leadership there could have done to make things better, right? I thought yeah. that. In Toronto, it was handled really well, right? The, the convoys came to town. They were never allowed to sort of stay put in one place. And we managed it with the powers we have, right? So all of this stuff is a balance. How do we do things that, that mm. we need to do right now to get the housing built, all that stuff? How can we do best by the, the you know, people of Toronto? And I think it's it's amazing that people are talking about it and thinking about it, right? What do we have to do to make sure that Toronto stays on the right course right now? That's the, the most important thing. Well, I loved our conversation. I hope we can have more head into the fall. I think you made a great point out of the gate and, and a listener on text emphasized it too, is that I think when you're younger, you find municipal politics, you're like, ah, maybe it's it's not that interesting. When you get and st- when you start to own things and you feel part of the oh, yeah. economy and you care about your commute time to get home to your you, it matters a lot more it's hard to you're not at 14 going you know you're talking about who the who the prime minister is and who the president of the united states is but the mayor and the city councilors it actually may mean more to actual people when they become parents and when they start you know being a, more the fabric of the city itself yeah there's like absolutely no one who's untouched by by city politics right the second you walk out the door you know like the garbage collection yeah. if you can catch a streetcar, like all those things are municipal. And so we need people in there who are excited about that, who care about that, who are living mm. it, right? Like the nice thing, everybody, everything people talk to me about the door, I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm dealing with that with my kids too, or my commute, right? These are the things that we all have in common and we all need to think about. So I really hope people, you know, get excited about it, ask their their candidates questions and like know that these this is a big moment, right? And yeah. we have a lot of important decisions to make right now, and we need the right people to do it. It'll be people like you that give us a great World Cup soccer experience four summers from now. Not, and that's not the only thing I'm thinking of, but I am thinking about it. It's it's going to be pretty special. So how do we have those fun moments in the city? Yeah, too, right. Yeah. Yeah. We've been waiting for a lot of those to come back, as we said early in our conversation. Good luck. Thanks very much for coming on the show. You're always welcome here. Appreciate the time. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Greg. Siri Agrel, uh joining us. Uh, she'll be running in Ward 4, Toronto City Council.